The lesson is written in Psalm 118, verses 1 to 2, and then from verse 19. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The Holy Gospel is written in the 19th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at the 28th verse. Glory to you, O Lord. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever written. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices 
for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise thee, Christ. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. How on earth did they miss it? Don't you ever think that as you read through this passage of Palm Sunday? Didn't you think that as we heard it being read to us? Those Pharisees that stood in the crowd, appalled at the shouting and baying of those around them who joyfully cried, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And yet they missed it. How did they miss it? Just look at their response as the crowd and, and Jesus' followers shouted out. They said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why were they offended? Why so opposed to this very common proclamation that was used each year to greet travellers coming to the temple for the Passover? The proclamation itself points back to the psalm we heard read, Psalm 118, and the tradition of Solomon and David that the king riding on a donkey would lead the people in a praise procession to the temple. They gather outside the old city walls. And as they enter in, the crowds are there spreading their cloaks, their most valuable items. Luke is the only gospel writer who doesn't mention the palm branches. But we know from the other gospel writers that others cut palm branches the Old Testament way of greeting God's promised king, used at the Feast of the Tabernacles, where each light in the temple was lit, palm branches were waved, water was poured out abundantly in expectation of the coming king and the water of eternal life. This procession was all about hope. And about God's right king. 
and these words of Psalm 118 would have rung out. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. The gates of Jerusalem, yes. But Jesus had already said, I am the gate. And we know, don't we, about the donkey, the peaceable sign of a different kind of king. Not one who comes into battle on a war horse, not a political ruler, but a different type of king, a king who would suffer, a king who came to bring peace, a king who the shouting crowds would soon turn against, a king who would humble himself even unto death. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. We often focus on that statement about the king. But what if it was the disciples' proclamation of peace in heaven and glory in the highest that really got them going and offended them? Because that statement is a bookmark of the life of Christ. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's the statement that the angels made at the coming of Christ at the start of Luke's gospel. And here during Jesus' final week on earth, the Pharisees were vividly confronted with the truth that Jesus, the promised king and Messiah, was right there in front of their faces. Could it be any more obvious? Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. The king has come. And yet they missed it. Sometimes that happens to us. We miss the very obvious. I don't know whether you've seen uh, a picture that has been doing the rounds of uh, email traffic and on the internet of some whale-watching tourists standing on a boat with cameras in hand, gazing out to sea, waiting for the ideal picture of the, uh, as the whale leaps out of the water in a beautiful arch, but in the foreground, as they look the wrong way out to sea, with cameras at the ready. And they miss the very purpose of their trip. So often we too can be looking in the wrong direction. For the Pharisees, of course, they looked, but they didn't understand. And what about Jesus' response to their misunderstanding, their cluelessness? He chooses the image of stones. If the disciples keep quiet, says Jesus... Even the rocks, even the stones will cry out. I wonder if he's suggesting that the Pharisees must have rocks in their heads. (laughs) That rocks would indeed have more sense to acknowledge him as Messiah and King in the absence of the disciples' praise. 
and yet his words are prophetic too. Pointing forward to the time of his crucifixion, when Matthew tells us that the earth shook and the rocks split. I spent some time the other week with a good friend who's been overwhelmed by life. Things have crashed around him and he's fallen from a place of success and achievement to, well, I'm not sure what he's fallen to yet, but I know he's fallen into the arms of God. As we spoke, despite his circumstances, amidst the tears, it was true that he was now more fully alive than he had been for a while. Grace upon grace in his life as he realized that Jesus is king, that he gives a fresh start, that as we worship him, there is peace in heaven and glory in the highest. We talked about how to rebuild lives when everything had been taken away. We talked about when we crash, we can so often turn to worrying about our own security or relying on our own self-sufficiency instead of falling back on the king. And we talked about how after the exile, God's people were called to build the temple first, to rebuild the place of worship as their priority, centered on God. And here's the invitation to the crowd that day, that Palm Sunday, and to us today, to build our lives not on rock or stone, but on Jesus himself. As Jesus used his image of stones to chastise the Pharisees, was he thinking of that verse in Psalm 118, which says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Was he insinuating through saying that even the stones themselves will cry out that he is indeed the rejected stone who will become the cornerstone for the righteous citizenship of our heavenly city comes at the cost of the death of the king. He who arrives to shouts of praise leaves as a condemned criminal. He carries our shame in order that through him the gate of righteousness is open to us. Do you see it? Don't miss the obvious. He is the king who deals with our mess and our chaos and our sin. Who invites us to rebuild our lives centered on the King of Kings, who deals with the rocks in our heads so we might see the one who stands before us, King and Saviour. Jesus' words also highlight the truth found in Scripture that all of creation glorifies God He's glorified in the humble donkey, the stones we kick along the path, the hill, the garden and the village, the praising people and the grumbling ones, 
don't have rocks in your head. Don't get so caught up with your own agendas and pursuits that you miss the significance of the Savior and King who comes riding on a donkey. On this Palm Sunday, let's join with all creation, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swims the paths of the sea, and the humble stones we kick along the ground as we proclaim, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.